The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Namaste. Welcome to the Conscious Combo podcast. I am your host and teacher, Pippa Leslie. I'm here to share everything I learn, see, and channel. This podcast is for the conscious and curious beings who are ready to dive deeper into spirituality. I am so grateful you are here. Hello, my beautiful souls. Welcome back. So as I record this podcast, I am in the beautiful Australia. And this is the first actual interview I've done since being in Australia. So I know my energy has completely shifted since being here. I am with an amazing woman. Her name is Diandria. She is a best-selling author, researcher, and positive psychology coach. Now, what really drew me to Diane was that she has a book called The Tao of Inner Peace. And as a lot of you know, as my listeners, I follow the Tao. A lot of my values come from the Tao. So I'm really excited to speak to Diane today. So welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you, Pippa, for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I am too. I feel very calm talking to you like I've just felt so this morning I woke up and I feel I knew I was speaking to you and I thought wow this is like the inner peace has just washed over me so I feel like your book's kind of coming through me already (laughs) oh fantastic well you live the Tao so that makes sense (laughs) yes so I'm intrigued to get to know you with all my interviews I like I said earlier I don't send questions I just like to see how the conversation flows I'd love to know how you got into the Tao. You know, what, what, how did, how did it miraculously come into your life? Well, um, that's a really good question. I've been intrigued by Eastern philosophy and culture since I was 10 years old. Uh, when my father was an Air Force colonel, he was stationed in the Philippine Islands. And that was a different world from what I'd grown up you know, up until then, uh, living in the continental United States. We lived on uh, Clark Air Force Base. We had a house with windows made out of seashells. Uh, We had mango and papaya trees growing in our yard. And we had a young man who came to clean our house and he polished the floor by dancing across the floor with a coconut husk and the coconut would polish the floor. So I thought, well, I was going to help him. So he had another one. So we'd be dancing across the floor together in flow, in a sense of joy. Um, And I thought, this is different. My father brought back Chinese brush paintings from Hong Kong and Tokyo. He was a pilot, so he'd fly there on missions. And I tried to make Chinese brush paintings. I love the serenity, the sense of yohaku, the empty space, which is really an important part of the picture. And in the West, we sometimes forget about the importance of the empty space. Well, fast forward a few years, my father was transferred back to the uh, continental United States and uh, to the Midwest. And I was in school in Missouri, painting a picture of a palm tree. And all the other kids in the class laughed at me and said, Diane doesn't know how to draw a tree. She's got all the branches coming out of the top. And I thought, no, there's no one way to to draw a tree. There are many different forms of trees. There are trees in the east. There are trees in the west. Um, 
nature is full of multiple possibilities, not just a narrow view of things. Well, years later, when I was in college, I discovered meditation, read Alan Watts' The Way of Zen, and discovered the Tao Te Ching. And it, it conf- the Tao confirmed to me what I'd been searching for, which is a way to combine the two opposites of yin and yang, self and other, mountain and valley, you know, uh, day and night, all these opposites, which in the West we tend to look at as either or. And the Tao says, no, it's both and. All of the Tao is the one, and the one is comprised of yin and yang. And from those energies flow all creation. So I've been interested in the Tao ever since. I went back to school after getting a graduate degree in English at UCLA, and I was teaching at Santa Clara University because I went back to school intrigued by the fact that positive psychology and neuroscience research is now discovering what Lao Tzu knew 25 plus centuries ago about the importance of the cycles of nature, about how important it is to be, you know, at peace with nature and to recognize we're part of a process of energies within and around us. So that's a long answer to your question. It's actually making me teary because I'm like, because I understand it now, you know, it's, uh, God, it really makes me teary because that like tears of joy, it's like tears of appreciation and tears of just pure love. Like that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. what the Tao really taught me reading it was, you know, we've created this duality in, in, you know, light, dark, up, down, left, right, man, female, but they're just labels that we've, you know, we've, we've called them things. And I think, you know, this good, bad duality, this fear and love duality, they can't exist without each other, you know, and that's kind of like what people don't understand is that fear was created. So we knew what love was, you know, so we knew the difference between the two. And it's just something that the Tao really got me to think, wow. And some of the, some of the passages in there, I used to think to myself, I've heard this before, or this, this, this feels familiar. And then it just kind of makes you want to go outside and watch and just listen and and use your senses. You've been gifted with these senses, you know, and for Latsu to, to know this 2,500 years ago before Christ, you know, it's like, it's just, it's like you said, as we said before we started recording, it's needed now more than ever, you know, for people to really connect to that deeper way of life, you know, the great way, the Tao Te Ching, the great way it is, it's the, it's the great way. It's, it's the way we say the way that is within all of us. We've just lost it a little bit. Definitely. And it's, it's a way that Lao Tzu was uh, living during something called the Warring States period in ancient China, and his world, as he knew it, was falling apart. You know, uh, there was all this conflict, does that sound familiar, and confusion. So he went out into nature, and he, he found lessons in a mountain stream that water is gentle and nurturing, and yet with perseverance can cut through solid rock. And we have something called the Grand Canyon in the United States where a river has actually done that. And it's, it's amazing. So, you know, it's soft and strong. Bamboo bends with the wind so it doesn't break. 
So the power of flexibility. These principles pertain to leadership, to life. You know, uh, they're natural to us. And in fact, Chinese calligraphy, I have a copy of the Tao Te Ching that has the original Chinese calligraphy in it. Uh, the image for a human being, Run, is like an upside down V. And the image for nature or heaven are two parallel lines uh, going through that V. So that the fact is that we human beings in the Chinese calligraphy are an intimate part of, of nature, of the natural world. And when we forget that, we get disconnected and we feel like, you know, anxiety, frustration, something's missing in life. So in this period of chaos, conflict, confusion, a change in, on our planet, I think, again, to be called back to these beautiful principles that are natural to us in the Tao Te Ching, is, this is the time for that. Yeah, it's like, I feel like Mother Earth repeats these cycles for us because they're meant to, again, you know, the chaos we've just been through. You know, there's been more spiritual awakenings in the past two years because people have had to, you know, look for mindfulness to, to you know, this inner peace. So I feel these old textures that we, you know, that have been around for a long time. Obviously now reading them today, it's, you see this, you see the similarities and, you know, like you said, Latsu was going, was living in the in a war. That's kind of like what we've just gone through for two years. Yeah, right. I think that's why this happens. You know, obviously mother earth has natural cycles, which I believe that, you know, mother earth knows all. So what I found so beautiful was when we were going through the lockdowns, the animals were coming out, you know, into these places and, you know, it's, you see that they're a part of this world too, and they live naturally, you know, they, they, and with humans though, we just have this more complex, uh, complexity about us. We're more, we have this ego, you know, we have this, this concept of ego. And I really want to talk to you about that because it's something that I've worked on for the last two, three years and helped my clients with. And, you know, Wayne describes the ego as edging God out. And I love that because it really is. And I really want to ask you, Diane, you know, what, what has been your journey like with the ego and, you know, how, how have you tamed the ego? <laughs> it's an ongoing process. Uh, I grew up in a, I guess, a challenging family. I felt like I always had to prove myself. So I would get good grades in school and I would try to please other people and I would try to get all these awards and nothing really filled me up because being fulfilled, you know, is different from being filled full of money, accomplishments, titles, whatever. Uh, it's looking outside ourselves to find ourselves. So I I love that there's a quote from the Tao that says, do not dwell on your ego and you will discover your soul. <laughs> they are, again, the ego can be very defensive. It can wall us off from other people and can make us, you know, separate from the whole experience that we are part of. So uh, I practice meditation now twice a day in the morning and in the evening uh, it's part of my life, and I sometimes have to 
stop in the middle of a process and realize what what's the energy here? What am I feeling? What do I need? And what can I do? Um, I think, in fact, a lot of people have been asking that yin question, going within. Our Western world is very, very yang. We're very busy. We're very noisy. We're very active all the time, right? And that that edges God out, <laughs> ego, because we can't hear the still small voice of our soul when there's all this noise. So for the past two years or so, people have been disconnected from their habitual patterns of living. They've had to work remotely. They haven't gone out as much. One of my friends says, we have been under house arrest for two years. And the, you know you can feel that's a terrible loss. But what it's happened is a lot of people, as you say, have started going within, practicing mindfulness, listening to their hearts. The power of yin to, to balance out all that yang so they know, you know, their active choices are, are mindful choices, not just living out of habit and living out of shoulds or living out of fear and defensiveness, but, but really pausing and to find that, that silence within that is really, really important to us. So I think, as you're right, uh, Mother Nature has given us this opportunity. It's caused a lot of suffering, but it's also caused a lot of discernment. People have had to stop and reflect. That's been really important. I think when you were talking about the yin and the yang, I think we have to balance the two, as you know. And I think when there's too much yang, I think a lot of people resist the yin because, again, getting quiet, sitting down, meditating, people resist that because it's then there's just you and your thoughts. And that then obviously, you know, people resist that kind of thing. And I, you know, people listening that, you know, you resist meditation, you resist a, a, a quiet nature walk, you know, they're, they're where you really find yourself. You really find that inner peace, that inner tranquility, because I think deep down our soul desires inner peace, inner tranquility. And it's the ego that resists it because the ego wants you to be like doing, 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 I need to prove, prove, prove. I need to mm-hmm. do the best at this and earn this money and have this wealth. And because somehow we feel that that validates us, you know, there's, there's so many layers to this, you know, but when we come back to the Tao, you know, it's, I love how, like, you know, you've mentioned the Tao of inner peace. So, you know, touching on your book, you know, what's, what's, what's the synopsis of, of, of the book, the Tao of the inner peace. Oh my, well, I arranged the book starting off with personal peace, you know, how to find peace within us. And chapter one shows how my friends and I tried to, you know, make the world more peaceful by marching in demonstrations and doing all this stuff. And somehow it didn't work because we were too yang. I mean, we, we meant well and we were idealistic, but again, too yang. So the first part of the book is, you know, how to find peace within us because we have to find peace within us if we want to create greater peace around us. What is within you know, uh, and without, it's part of the same thing. And what I noticed from my studies of positive psychology and neuroscience is that this makes great sense. Um, Lao Tzu knew 25 centuries ago that 
the best kinds of leaders bring out the best in their people. Uh, they honor the individual differences of the people, just like we honor all the, the animals and, and the, the plants on this planet. Diversity is a blessing. Okay, so the book goes from personal peace to planetary peace, environmental peace, and you know, political peace, conflict resolution. And the reason we have to begin with ourselves, two things. Um, John Kabat-Zinn came to my university a number of years ago and someone, a student stood up in the audience and said, don't you think it's kind of self-indulgent to meditate every day, when, you know, spend all this time meditating when, the, when there's so many problems in the world? And John Kabat-Zinn took a deep mindful breath and said, well, when I go to the Boston Symphony, I notice that the musicians all tune their instruments before they begin to play. And in order for me to be an instrument of peace, I need to meditate every morning to tune my instrument so that I can be in harmony with what I do. And that, that is absolutely essential. It sounds beautiful and it makes great sense because when we're stressed, when we're into a defensive ego, uh, something happens to our brains and our bodies. We become, uh, we start breathing faster, our heart rate increases, our muscles tense up, our immune system and digestive system shut down, and our higher brain centers go offline to deal with an immediate threat. When we need to make wise decisions and, and act in harmony, whether it's in a relationship with someone and we want to be present and listen, whether it's in a work situation where we need to make, you know, effective decisions, whatever it is. If our higher brain centers are offline because we're stressed, uh, we need to find a process to get back to center and to find inner peace so we can be more effective, so we can be present. So I have in my book just some simple uh, centering techniques from Aikido or just pausing, taking a deep breath, when we're caught up in all this frantic energy and say, this is not my energy. I am at peace. I am one with Tao. And just pause and tune our instrument so that we can live and act in greater harmony. I love that. And when you were telling me the story about the instrument of peace, it reminds me of the St. Francis prayer. That's just a beautiful prayer. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Well, you know, it just, that prayer, it, I remember speaking to Wayne's daughter on the podcast last year and she said her dad used to say, Wayne, that that's not just a prayer, it's a technology. And it really is. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a, when you, when you read it and you really sink into that prayer, it really is like programming you to be that instrument of peace, you know, and, and to move into the light, you know, and it's, when you said it, I just kept hearing the prayer when you were talking about it then. And I was really blessed to go to a CC with my partner in September of 2020. And just being in that energy of where St. Francis lived and he did his work, and we went to his tomb. And I just remember dro we dropped to the floor in tears, me and, my, me and my partner, because it was just the power of just being in his tomb. I've got goosebumps now. It was like, he was such a, you know, he was a master, as we say, and 
And so was Latsu, you know, so you just find the similarities between all these masters, Buddha, you know, Jesus is just, they all intertwine. But I think as well, when you think about all these masters, you know, I've got friends who, you know, go back in time and they, they love different masters and they come in and out of our life. But I think it helps us to remind us that we have that within us too. We, you know, we don't have to be masters to teach mastery. You know, we, we're just, I, I truly believe I'm a teacher. I like teach wisdom. You know, when I learn something, I, I like to just, I take it in and I share it. I take it in and I share it. And when you think back to these masters and you think what they did, what they suffered, you know, what they carried on and that they stayed in love, they always stayed in love and that's the highest frequency of all. So when you were telling that story, I thought, yeah, because I think people resist the, the stillness, the meditation, because, you know, that's, that's you doing nothing. Well, no, it's not. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually does a lot more than just, you know, they feel like we have to do, 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 you need to do this, do that to help world peace. Well, no, you know, it's the more you center yourself in inner peace, you're helping others do that too. You know, it's absolutely in so many ways. Mm. I mean, I've, there have been studies at this heart math Institute in California that shows that something that that a lot of us know intuitively that our energies affect the energies around us so that when we're in harmony, uh, we bring that with us. And when we're around someone who is totally discordant, we feel that too. You know, there can be energy draining uh, people who who have, who are in conflict within themselves and uh, it's exhausting to be around them. And, you know, it, it's exhausting to be them. <laughs> it, it, we need to get back to center. We, I believe we're all instruments. Uh, and we, we're all capable of sharing our light. And that St. Francis of Assisi is one of my, I guess, uh, special teachers, too, in, in that way. I mean, to have gone to Assisi and been present Oh, that must have been absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it was. The only downside was we didn't get longer there. We only had one night. But I remember we stayed in this beautiful little hotel. And in the morning, the bells were going in the town. It was just this beautiful Italian town on this hill. And it just, wherever we walked, you could just you could just kind of step into that time. It felt like you were in that time, you know, it, mm-hmm when he was walking the the streets of Assisi and I just felt like you felt like you were there in that time. It was just really surreal. And then going to his tomb and going, you know, it, it just, it, it, we were speechless, you know, getting the train back to Rome. We were just absolutely speechless about being there, being around where he was, the, going to the Basilica. And it was, you know, there's, there's little bits in the town where it says St. Francis was, was here. He was doing this here and he was, and I mean, I love history and my partner loves history, but I remember I was really wanting to go there because in one of Wayne's book, there's a spiritual solution to every problem. He, he'd gone to Assisi, did a, a bit of a healing pilgrimage, pil- pilgrimage mm-hmm. with his, with clients and, and family and friends. And there was the, the other Basilica for St. Clair uh, and she, the story with her, obviously we went to that place and we seen the, the staircase where Wayne had his spiritual, where he saw St. Francis. You might yeah, have heard him yeah. speak about that, yeah. Where he had this um, 
this vision of St. Francis on the staircase. So me and Chris walked up this staircase and we were like, this is where Wayne had his moment. And it was just, it was, oh, it was so beautiful. And yeah, I just can't wait to go back. You know, it's one of those things I'd like to go back and, and explore a little bit more and meditate and just have a bit of time to just, you know, sit and meditate and channel and yeah. 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 It was wonderful. Well, you know, St. Francis, interestingly enough, um, like Lao Tzu, felt a deep connection with nature. Mm-hmm. And St. Francis's energies were so peaceful and harmonious that birds would come and land on his shoulders. Um, and there are all these stories about how, you know, animals would just come up to him, wild animals, right? Because they knew, because they felt his, his beautiful, peaceful, harmonious energy. Um, I have a number of friends who taught me a a meditation practice, which is to meditate on the prayer of St. Francis and to just silently recite and to memorize it and to silently recite that prayer. Because the idea is that the more we connect with that prayer, the more we become like it, it becomes, we're tuning our instrument. Like programming it. Yeah. That's what Wayne said about like it being a, a technology. It's like a program for you to be that instrument, you know, of love, of peace, you know, so it make me an instrument of my peace yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) you know I've really tried to you know this attachment to physical things I've really tried to you know be less attached into physical things you know and one thing that I've just thought about is all my things are in New Zealand I sent all my boxes over there last year so I, I remember actually we bought quite a few souvenirs from a cc we went to the little, uh, in the Basilica, there was a little shop and there was loads of St. Francis things, you know, little cards and little coins and books and just so many cute little things you could buy. And you would obviously, do, every every purchase went to the Basilica and, and the upkeep, which we were happy to do. I think we donated as well, but it was, all these things are in these boxes. So I've got all these beautiful things, like just spiritual things that are in all these boxes in New Zealand and I haven't seen them in 18 months. So I just said, that week when I get to New Zealand, I'm going to be like Christmas Day, you know, just open all these. Yeah. And I can feel, I can, I can feel the energy building in, in that sense of, you know, I'm, I'm in Australia now, I'm going to New Zealand. And, you know, that St. Francis trip to Assisi was just, it's just, I think, I think that's one thing I think I'd love to do is a healing pilgrimage, I can't say that word, pilgrimage across and do, I want to go to Jordan and go to, you know, all these places that Wayne had gone to and, even go to China, you know, do other parts of China and go to Japan and, and, and meditate in these places and, you know, feel the ground, you know, because that's what I, I've always been this, uh, whenever I go to a place and I know there's a lot of history there, I'll sit and close my eyes and I'll just really feel what was happening, who was here, who walked here, who touched that wall, who, and I love that. That's why I love history so much because it teaches us so much as well. But that's probably one of the most, amazing trips I've ever done even though it was just for a night it was just beautiful and magical and you know as you said you you felt the energies I remember traveling in oh in France and Germany and I, I did go to China too and, and going into houses of worship temples churches cathedrals where people have meditated and prayed for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's it's a feeling that one gets in there 
the energies have collected. <laughs> uh, and the Tao says everything is energy, you know? And what's interesting is that, uh, oh, well, that sounds very philosophical and spiritual, but our quantum physics uh, tells us that everything is energy and everything is constantly moving. You know, nothing is solid. Um, there are all these atoms moving around all the time. And our thoughts are constantly moving. Our, our bodies are constantly changing. The cells are, are changing and growing. And, you know, we're part of a dynamic cycle of, of growth and energy, yin and yang, all the time. And I think being aware of our energies and the energies around us makes a huge difference. And I, I, tried, I tried to get my students when I was teaching at Santa Clara. I've, I got uh, tenure, so I was uh, pretty secure in my job. At the beginning of each class session, I would have the students, I would lead them in a short guided meditation because I wanted them to be present in the class. And research has shown that when students meditate and are present instead of distracted and fearful and into ego, guess what? They actually learn better. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, we had remote learning, you know, yeah. um, on Zoom. <laughs> and I did that with the students as well. And they, they said that was their favorite part of the class, that, that they learned a meditation technique that they could use when they felt stressed. Yeah. And that no one had ever taught them that before. They could use when they were anxious, when they wanted to go to sleep at night, when their minds were racing, they could just breathe in and say the prayer of St. Francis or just be mindful of something beautiful that had happened in their lives or visualize a place they loved in nature. But to just slow down and focus. We need these techniques we need these skills, these tools to help us really survive in a very stressful world. Yeah, we do. And I think that's why it's becoming a lot more popular, especially in schools, you know, getting kids to meditate, things like that, because it's really important, you know, for obviously children to be able to, you know, feel into those things. And one thing people don't realize is that meditation and breath and visualization is very simple. You know, I think because of the yang within us, we, we overcomplicate everything. I used to do this <laughs> yes. when I first started to meditate. I had to like have my surroundings perfect and I had to have a, be sat a certain way. And I just tried to make all these things perfect. And I said, no, you know, even if I'm just sat, you know, on a field or on a bench or on a sofa, you know, wherever I am, it's the intention is there. The intention is you want to just ground and just be present for a moment. And obviously the last probably six to six months or so I've really connected to the how important the breath is you know the breath is life for the breath and most humans breathe wrong which is so funny because you know we just we're constantly breathing it's the thing that we we take for granted a lot of the time and I think when we just connect to the breath how wonderful it is that we just our heart is beating constantly for us our lungs are constantly breathing for us and I think just taking those deep breaths, especially people who, you know, with anxiety, with stress, you know, you'll know this, Diane, that the breath lowers everything. It just, it, the stress comes down, the anxiety comes down and it, 
And th- this is the thing though, like, like, you know, 25 century goes at Latsu, he knew all this, you know, the science wasn't that great back then, but he knew this because this information is within all of us. This information is, is there. It's, it's, it's our connection to the universe, to God, to Tao. It's like, you know, we seek externally for answers and the answers are within and how you find those answers is to get quiet. Because if your mind's firing off constantly, you know, you're not going to hear those whispers of, you know, connection, alignment, nature. So, you know, one thing to be mindful of is that the brain sometimes won't shut off. The brain is, is you know, it's created that way. And meditation isn't about quieting your mind completely. It's allowing those thoughts to come in and out without judgment. You know, I always say it's just like the wind. Imagine your thoughts are like wind blowing through your brain, just whoosh, let them go, just let them out. And that's, and that's why they say, find that, that space, the gap in between, you know, them little gaps and they will increase and increase the more you do it. So, you know, that's, that's why I think schools now and education are bringing in more mindfulness because again, grades, grades will go up too. So, you know, they're going to be better students, happier, more fulfilled. The grades will be better. They'll feel better, you know? So it's, it's an all round positive for everybody yeah yeah and what's actually it's absolutely necessary because statistically what is it I was shocked to find that 49 percent of American college students apparently have anxiety or depressive disorders that's almost half of them and 44 percent of elementary students have you know anxiety and stress and are, are really partly because of all the uncertainty with COVID, but partly because of our way of life is too yang. They are out of balance. You know, when I was a child, we didn't have a lot of these devices to distract us. (laughs) So I spent time climbing trees and, and, you know, watching the sky, looking at the clouds, playing with my friends. Uh, I had a lot of yin time to... uh, grow my imagination and to tune into something larger than myself, you know, the truth, the, the light, uh, the divine. I, 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 f- I feel like uh, we now, since we have provided these wonderful distractions for our young people, we also need to provide them with tools to balance their lives. Yeah, we do. I definitely, I really want to ask you, this is going to be a really hard question, I think for you. What was probably one of your most favorite verses? Oh, gosh. Uh, I have many favorite verses, but I, I love, I guess, the one that says, you know, a tree that grows beyond your reach springs from a tiny seed. A building more than nine stories high begins with a handful of earth. And a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That we can begin something new in our lives with a single seed, with a single thought, with one step. Because too often when people are thinking of making changes in their lives, it looks so huge. It looks like running a marathon. It looks like, you know, building something that's so intimidating that they don't even start. And the Tao says, no, everything has a a small beginning and has this momentum. It's part of that dynamic growth, that energy of yin and yang, 
trust the process. So I love that that quote. I think it's in chapter 64 of the Tao. Um, trust the process. Yeah. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That really, you're definitely well more read with the Tao because obviously I, I, re- I really want to read it again. It's been calling me a lot. And I think I have dealt with that the last 18 months, being away from my partner, you know, that trust, faith, the... Mm-hmm. It just felt so long, you know. We we didn't we, we didn't think it would be eighteen months. We thought it would be like three months. So being away from your partner for eighteen months again, that attachment to the physical touch, holding hands, kissing your cheek, you know, all that hugging. You know, we've had to connect spiritually, deeper spiritually. We've done a lot of healing work. So again, that it's I think that's why now I feel a lot more calmer and at peace because I've just gone through eighteen months of trusting something that. I knew was greater than me and that the day that we would reunite was already written and we had to just, you know, get there day by day, you know, a single step day by day. And, you know, I won't lie. Some days are really hard. Some days are really challenging, you know, and I think it just, it just now has to, you know, teach me to help others learn, you know, like I said, everything, everything you go through, which is a challenge, say, you know, it helps you to then help someone else. And that's what I've really found great, you know, the gratitude being away from my partner for that long. Wow. And I'm so excited that, uh, you know, the steps between now and May are not that many. No. And, uh, you know, you can see the light at the end of a, of a very long, dark tunnel of separation. Again, mm-hmm. the yin and the yang, you know, but you've been together in a different way yeah. while you were apart. And now you're going to be together in a, in a more uh, present way. Definitely. So before we finish, Diane, is there anything you want to share? Is there anything that you feel like sharing that's coming up for you? Okay. I guess what I'd like to leave people with is that a lot of times in challenging times, we feel a sense of hopelessness, you know, Our problems look so big, we feel disconnected from, you know, anything that might be able to help us. And my my book, The Tao of Inner Peace and Taoism, you know, in itself offers a path of hope. The Tao means the way, the path, the road, the journey. It's a path of hope, drawing upon the wisdom of nature, you know, being out in, in touch with nature, recognizing that nature has these patterns, these principles that we can trust, you know, when we learn what they are and tells us about the interconnectedness of all life, yin and yang, awareness and action, as we become more aware of our oneness with nature and one another, we become more at peace and we can take then mindful action and create new possibilities for ourselves and our world. That's beautiful. I'm just taking that in myself. Mm. yeah it's so beautiful I'm so grateful to chat to you today Diane it's been just I could talk to you for hours I say this to everybody just the topics and the the love that it creates as you're talking about these things because again it's just that connection to that greater good and Mm -hmm. you know if I can leave people with anything it's just to trust what comes up in your life you know if there's a book that you're wanting to read if there's 
something on YouTube you, you're wanting to watch, if there's a podcast you want to listen to, if there's someone you're waiting to meet, you know, every single book, show, person that you meet or, you know, read, watch, has something to teach you. You know, there's, there's no wrongs. I always say there's, not, there's nothing that, you know, doesn't come into your life for a reason. And I used to feel that way. I used to feel like, oh, what if I'm reading the wrong book right now? Because I'd be flitting between different books. And I used to think, no, even if I read five pages of one book and then move to another book, I'm still learning something from that book. And I think that's just having that flow, flow like the water is the Tao teach you just flow like the rivers and it will lead you to beautiful places. And yeah, I just feel very grateful today. That inner peace definitely washed over me this morning. I could feel it and it's still over me now. So how can people find you, Diane? I'm going to obviously put all of your links in the show notes so people can buy your book and your other ones you have available and find you yet. They can find me by going to my website, which is dianedreer.com and it's spelled D-I-A-N-E-D-R-E-H-E-R. And they can sign up for my Tao of Inner Peace newsletter, which comes out with each new season of the year. The spring newsletter will be out in a couple of days so that we have, you know, the cycle of the seasons and the lessons of the seasons there. I also blog for Psychology Today, and my blog is called Your Personal Renaissance, because I believe it's time for us all to have a new renaissance for ourselves and our world. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. It's been a real blessing and a gift. Thank you very much, Pippa. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Yeah, please head over to Diane's website and take a look at her book, The Tao of Inner Peace. And any questions you've got, you can either send them to me and I can pop them over to Diane or just reach out to her. I'm sure she'll be happy to respond. But take care wherever you are and we'll chat to you soon. Bye, guys. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.